0: Strap yourself in and get ready to travel to the far western part of the state and then to the Louisville Metro. As we first get our fill of a Crittenden County fan favorite, specifically Marion Pitt Barbecue. And we will fill our plate with plenty of pulled pork, ribs, along with the other signature specialties available for their valued customers. And we will not skimp yet. You can bet your bottom dollar on that. And afterwards... We will wash it down with a taste of whiskey from Kentucky Peerless. Corky Taylor will tell us about one of Kentucky's most historic distilleries, which went dormant for a long time, but it has been revived in downtown Louisville, and they are clicking on all cylinders, to say the least. So I'm gassed up and ready. If you're not, tough luck, because Blabbing in the Bluegrass, Episode 3 of Season 2 starts right now. with a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From Booneville to Boonesboro to Boone County, nobody but nobody covers the Commonwealth better than we do here on Blavin' in the Bluegrass as we explore and celebrate all things Kentucky. I'm Sam Moore, so thrilled to have you as always. I would hate to be sitting here talking to myself and these four walls. That would not be ideal in the least but hey we've got some killer and I do mean killer interview content lined up for you today so I'm gonna make my comments short sweet and to the point uh, for that reason and also because I cannot wait to dive in to some of this good old down-home Western Kentucky pit barbecue from Marion pit barbecue I tell you it's been around for a long time but the new owners they just took control a little over a year ago, and they are keeping the long-standing tradition alive with those famous meats, uh, that one-of-a-kind sauce made from scratch sides, and who could forget those holiday hams, perfect for Christmas and Easter coming up. They've been extremely popular for a number of years, and with good reason, so we'll highlight those and we will uh, throw a few more wrinkles into our barbecue discussion here shortly. Afterwards, we will switch gears to the Kentucky Peerless Distillery. Corky Taylor, the president and owner himself, will give us all the deets. I tell you, its history is quite fascinating. It dates all the way back to the late 1800s when his great-grandfather started Kentucky Peerless in Henderson, Kentucky. And it, uh, of course, disappeared about 20 or so years later. But Corky has revived it, and needless to say, it is more than thriving in the Derby City. So we'll find out about Corky's specialties, the tours that he and his staff offer, and all the other goodies that we can all reap the benefits from. Thanks to Kentucky Peerless, and you won't want to miss it. And if you have a suggestion, question, comment, vicious remark, I'm thick-skinned, I promise I can take it email me bluegrassblabbin at gmail.com b-l-u-e-g-r-a-s-s-b-l-a-b-b-i-n at gmail.com you can also hit me up on the blabbin in the bluegrass facebook page if you search blabbin in the bluegrass on fb it will take you straight to me and you can catch up on previous episodes there read new updates as they are posted you can also make comments send me messages However, I hear from you, like I said. I just can't stand the thought of not hearing from you. So, reach out and uh, make a friend if you can, okay? <laughs> so, before we plow into Marion and Pip Barbecue, it's time for yet another Bluegrass Brain Buster. We do this at the beginning of each and every show. I'll give you the uh, question now. We'll have the answer at the end. Now, this isn't technically a brain buster because you've got a 50-50 shot at being right on this thing, but... It matched the theme of part of today's show, so I couldn't resist. So here we go with today's Bluegrass Brain Buster. It is a true-false question. True or false? The people in the Commonwealth of Kentucky are outnumbered by the bourbon barrels in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. One more time, true or false? The people in the Commonwealth of Kentucky are outnumbered by the bourbon barrels in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. So, stew on that. Stay tuned for the answer. Good luck. It's Sam Moore's Dining Delight Spotlights. Man, I can just taste that mouthwatering Marion Pit barbecue now. There's a reason they are today's Dining Del- Delight Spotlight. They have uh, been a tradition in Marion for a number of years. And uh, the current owners did not want to see that tradition end, so they uh, kept it going. They, uh, they've they been at it for a little over a year now, and needless to say, it is going strong down in good old Crittenden County, and here to tell us all about it is one of the owners himself. Let's hear yeah. it for Carl Hatfield. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're glad you're here with us today, Carl. Now, you and your brother, Jason, you've been the owners of Marion Pitt Barbecue for
1: uh, how long now? I know a little over a year. Right. Uh, we bought it October of 2019. And I don't want to forget my mother, Benita, um, who's only lived here about 50 years or 55 years. Um,
0: oh, gotcha. Yeah. We got to we so give Benita bought, a shout right.
1: out. Yeah. Got to give mom a shout out. Otherwise, I'll get in trouble. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, we had an opportunity to purchase it um, uh, last October. Uh, it was a real quick discussion amongst the family and, uh, you know, it, timing was right. Uh, and, uh, that's, that's how we got involved. Great.
0: That is awesome. And <laughs> I'd say, uh, a good thing is definitely going on down there and we'll, we'll keep, sure. uh, the discussion alive and keep listeners mouths watering like mine is hopefully. And, um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, you gentlemen, like you said, purchase the, um, uh, Marion Pitt Barbecue uh, in October 2019. So uh, tell us what exactly inspired you to revive this community legend.
1: Well, um, one thing is, and when you use the word legend, I mean, you're right. And we haven't played any part in that whatsoever. Um, but Jack Easley, who was actually a good friends of my parents and was actually in their wedding, um, he had a barbecue restaurant. It was a sit-down place. And he actually got tired of paying rent. And so he just went and put in a couple buildings and uh, kind of built this literally a legend. And uh, if you look up Jack, what you're going to find is he was in 2012 uh, Southern Living, uh, as one of the 12 best pit masters in the South. Um, he was on there with guys like Ronnie Scott, uh, Chris Lilly, Aaron Franklin, um, uh, who else Sam Jones maybe. Oh and, goodness. Uh, my fellow Sam. Yeah <laughs> that's right, that's right. Um, so, you know, it was an institution that, that the people of Marion were really proud of. The food was always great. Uh, I remember coming up here with my dad when I was just walking around and barely able to walk. Um, and so I had, we had a lot of fond memories and we knew the community had a lot of fond memories and it was really sad to kind of see it, uh, go away and have so much uncertainty about it. Uh, I had worked in the restaurant industry for a little while. Um, and my brother too. Right. Uh, and the timing was right. And so, um, turned out real well. Turned out. I'd real say well. so. Now, really um, mm-hmm.
0: I actually read about Jack Easley when I was looking up some stuff on Mary and Pitt barbecue. Now is Jack, uh, is Jack still with us?
1: Unfortunately not. Uh, he passed away a, a few years ago. Oh, gotcha. Uh, I'm sorry to hear yeah, that. Yeah. That's all right. He was a, he was a good friend of my family. Um, uh, and so that's that's why we work hard and try to honor his legacy now.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure I'm sure he'd be proud of you. Now, uh, as you just mentioned, Carl, um, let's see, your aunt Sue Heppler, she uh, emailed me and told me about you two, right? and I'm sure glad she did. And she <laughs> told me that. Um, you, too, gained experience in the restaurant industry as teenagers, so talk a little bit about yeah. this experience and um, explain how it equips you to open a restaurant of your own.
1: Well, sure. Uh, I will say this. Uh, my, my brother and I both got experience. Uh, I'm the one that probably took to it a little more. He had a little more common sense, and uh, he went <laughs> off and uh, started, uh, he got a plumbing license and a master license. and and went off in that direction. And then uh, I went out and worked in restaurants, and uh, part of it was convenience and things like that. And then I worked in management. Uh, I spent, you know, probably in my career about 20, 20 years roughly. Uh, and I worked in some low end places and some high end places, um, which taught me about service. But. Uh, right. You know, he and I, Jason and I both kind of had an idea of what we wanted our service to be like. And I think it all comes back to to our roots in the restaurant industry. Um, You know, just because it's barbecue doesn't mean we don't have to go the extra mile to make someone happy.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Uh,
1: So, and that's honestly, that's kind of what we try to instill in our employees. Uh, Sure. You know, no ask is too small. Doesn't mean we'll say yes, but it doesn't mean we're not going to try. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: You're right. You can't call anything barbecue just because it's got ketchup on it. <laughs>
1: That's right. No, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. That's
0: Some people right. may beg to differ, but <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, the, the people yeah. that go the extra mile with barbecue, it always shows. Yeah. Now uh, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. now uh when did you guys become passionate about barbecue and um How exactly did you uh, master the art of preparing it? I assume Jack Easley lent you a hand a little bit, didn't he, back in the day? He did.
1: Well, and we we do have a good idea of exactly how Jack uh, cooked here. Uh, I can tell you the passion starts, uh, well, it's Kentucky for one, and it's Western Kentucky for two. Right. So there's, you know, barbecues in your blood to start. Uh, I remember some of my best memories. My dad uh, was involved in a lot of civic organizations and things like that. So those guys, especially in the 70s and 80s, you know, they they were always up for a fundraiser, and they probably used it more just to hang around and drink beer and tell stories. Sure, but, social uh, gathering. <laughs> exactly. They sit around all night and act like they're cooking food, and really probably one guy could do it. But uh, I remember being able to go out. My brother I. Sue, We actually talked about it not that long ago. And uh, just kind of sit around and watch all the fun those guys had. And, and then really a lot of gatherings, whether it's a wedding or a funeral or just something in the backyard, seems like always somebody was cooking barbecue. And, oh, I'm sure. You know, that's where you get the taste from it, um, for sure. Uh, and then, you know, and that's kind of why this is a good industry for us, because we do have those fond memories. We do have those fond
0: memories in Jack. Now, Western Kentucky, as we mentioned, they have a longstanding tradition of um, delicious pit barbecue with a number of restaurants claiming to serve the best in the business. So um, with plenty of stiff competition in our part of the state, describe what makes Marion pit barbecue the cream of the crop.
1: Well, I, I will tell you, I think we have a a product, especially in the pulled pork area, that is second to none. And it it does go back to how Jack cooked it and now how we've improved upon that process. Um, I think the way we hold it, I think the attention to detail that we put into it. um, I like to think I'm a detailed oriented person, but my brother is even more so than me. And like (laughs) I said, it, it, it is, and it is really strange because, I mean, sometimes I'm, I'll be honest with you, Jason will come in and, and he'll look at something and I'm kind of like, oh, dude, let it go. And then, you know, <laughs> the next day we're following up on that process and it's even better.
0: Um, so you're going to get
1: really hickory, good hickory cooked smoke, smoked pork. You're right. going to get um, a tangy sauce. You're going to get, uh, it's always going to be juicy. Uh, We don't serve it ever if it's not juicy and try to cover it up with sauce. Uh, And I think the fact that we try to keep it so simple and we don't have a menu of 100 items, uh, I think that helps us stand out. And and, uh, let's me say for certain, I I do feel like we have the best in West Kentucky.
0: Right. Some people just try to do too much and and it shows. Mm -hmm. So keep it simple and, (laughs) you know, being detail-oriented is... uh, a big perk in in barbecue, mm-hmm. and so when you right. when we've got a, a a minor detail stickler like Carl and a major detail stickler like Jason,
1: <laughs> that's exactly
0: right. Exactly right. That yep. makes, it makes well. for some some darn good barbecue. Now um, I know that customers can choose from a mouthwatering meat selection, guaranteed to cure anyone's barbecue craving. So we uh, we've touched on the pulled pork just a bit. So why don't you sure expand a little more on uh, Marion Pitt Barbecue's signature specialties in the meat department.
1: Absolutely. We got two, and uh, I'd say maybe two and a half that we really work hard on. Right. Uh, We do uh, St. Louis style ribs, uh, and that came about, honestly, because people just kept coming up to the window and asking for ribs. They were in demand, huh? They were in demand. And then the thing that held us back probably the longest is we wanted, to be guarant- we wanted to guarantee we could hold them and sell them just like we pulled them off the pit. Uh, and at the time we were still a new venture and I'll just say that it took an investment on our part to buy some equipment so we could hold them. Um, and that being said, uh, you know, these ribs, uh, they cook for five to six hours. Uh, they are big meaty ribs uh we baste them with our sauce we don't put any sauce on afterwards when we pull them off so they have a little bit of a glaze to them um you know we sell them uh we sell quite a bit but because of our size of our buildings here uh we just can't hold them every day and do all the other things we like to do so plus it would just kill us honestly it'd be too much yeah
0: that's that's uh, a lot
1: to juggle what we've got Exactly. So what we've done is uh, we just offer from two days a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays and that's worked out real well for us. The second thing we do uh, also came, well, it came out of necessity really, uh, but we we do a half smoked barbecue chicken that I would put up there with almost anybody's, honestly. Mm -hmm. That came out of necessity. We had a very large order. I was talking to the person who wanted the order and I really, we were still relatively new and I wanted to get the order, and this person just kept coming back, and she kept asking about chicken, and she kept asking about chicken, and I just kept saying, I I don't, I mean, we don't do chicken here, and I thought, (laughs) the next day, I'm going to talk to her and talk her into it, and uh, she just, the first thing out of her mouth on the phone, I said, well, what do we decide? She goes, well, we're going to go with the chicken, and then from (laughs) then, I go, well, I guess I'll get a chicken person. Don't have a chicken guy yet, don't even know the cost of a chicken, but Uh, Went, got to work on it, worked on a couple recipes that we used to do in the backyard. And we cooked that chicken over the highest heat we can get. Uh, We cook them hard and fast. Then we'd have a really delicious uh, butter barbecue sauce uh, that we use. Again, we glaze them at the very end. We glaze them and we pull them off. And uh, that's really worked out well for us. And again, it's one of those items, it's just so much labor involved. You know, we we do it on Thursdays, and we do it on Sundays, because Sunday has to be chicken day, right?
0: Oh, yeah, chicken Uh, after church.
1: Chicken after church, exactly (laughs) right, and so that's that's how we got in the chicken business, and uh, I'm real proud of that also, Uh, and then we have our hams also, but, you know. Yeah, so chickens (laughs) on
0: Thursdays and Sundays, and ribs on Wednesdays and Saturdays, correct? Right, and I always
1: hate it when somebody comes up, and they only want the chicken, or they only want the ribs, but. You know, maybe when we bulldoze a building or two over here and rebuild, we'll have them every day. But we, right now, we just can't.
0: Sometimes people just have their hearts set on that one certain mm-hmm. thing. But uh, yeah. anyway, at the uh, but now the pulled pork is available on a daily basis, right? Daily basis. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Awesome. So <laughs> any, every day. anytime just you every want day. pulled pork, just come on mm-hmm. in. They'll take care of you. Now, right. uh, a scrumptious sauce is a key component of a premium barbecue plate. Some may beg to differ, but... Mm-hmm. They, uh, <laughs> they definitely do not think along my wavelength. I think uh, everybody in Western Kentucky, especially, generally prefers a good sauce. So mm-hmm. give Absolutely. us the scoop on your savory sauce and explain why it is second to
1: none. Uh, I will tell you the sauce is it's, it's complicated. Uh, right. It's not a mop. And uh, I know people up in the Henderson-Owensboro area, they travel down here. We get quite a few that come down and the first thing they say is tell me about your mop or, or whatever, <laughs> whatever, and I just kind of like, no, it's a sauce. It's gonna stick, it's gonna stick on the, whatever we put it on. It's not uh, a mop. But it's, it, <laughs> exactly, not a mop. But that said, uh, we, it's got all the components of what you would guess would be in a barbecue sauce. And Jack took a little bit of everything uh, it's vinegar and ketchup based, uh, a bunch of other special things that uh, we can't really get into. Top secret,
0: uh, I understand.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but I, I will tell you, it's tangy. Uh, you know, it's even the mild, it's got a little bit of kick to it, but then it's got enough sugar that that when it goes down, it's going to take away that heat. Um, and that's the best way I can describe it. That's the way actually I've had somebody kind of describe it to me. There you go. So uh, So you can take
0: your pick between a hot and a mild variety.
1: We do have a hot and a mild. uh, Now, the hot isn't as hot really as a lot of people want. Uh, I've had somebody actually ask for like a nuclear hot or a super hot and I go, well, you'd be the one. Uh, But uh, it'll, it'll leave a, you know, it'll leave a bite the hot sauce will leave a bite for sure.
0: There you go. It's a flavor that counts. So exactly. <laughs> I think
1: so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Enjoy that flavor. And you do sell that uh, by the bottle too, right? We sell it by the bottle. We sell a lot of them by the bottle. We ship them across country. Uh, I've shipped them to California, Arizona. I've actually shipped our pulled port to Arizona, See. Michigan. See. Uh, I've shipped a whole shoulder, uh, to Wisconsin, uh, so yeah it's a simple phone call uh we we need to work on our website i think you know, we we should be a little more technology have a little more technology in our system than what we do but
0: uh hey yes, you're, sir, we sell it
1: by the bottle <laughs> you're making strides and and you're right
0: uh, <laughs> coast to right. coast and uh border to border okay. to complement the marvelous meats discussed previously marion pit barbecue also serves up splendid side items to make any meal complete. So why don't you, Carl, share with us the details on the sides that are available to accompany our main course?
1: Uh, Sure, sure, sure. Um, Well, I I can go with like what the traditional three were for years uh, here. And that was a creamy coleslaw uh, that, again, was Jack's recipe. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we make it the exact same way. Uh, We sell a lot of it. Uh, the potato salad has stayed the same. It is a creamy potato salad um, until I ate uh, what Jack served. I don't even think I like potato salad, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> but we, we, they, we sell that probably more than anything, any of our sides. Uh, also, potato then, salad's popular. Ba- potato salad's popular, and then the baked beans. And I will confess, we, we changed the way we prepare the baked beans. Uh, to be gotcha. a little more consistency. But i also say we, we started selling so many baked beans because we started selling so much more pork than what they had the last few years. Um, you know, to keep up with demand, we just had to change it. Uh, so, you know, before we even opened, we did tweak some things to make that baked bean recipe better, I think. Um, but then just to prepare it and cook it, you know, we, we, and keep up with demand, we had to change some things. Um, now, I will say that. And then, just like with the chicken and just like with the ribs, my brother and I are a glutton for punishment. And we <laughs> just occasionally will go a month and not change something or try to improve something. And then we'll get bored. And so, oh. with that, we had some, we had, you know, so a little more room. And so, my brother said, Hey, what do you think if we tried to do this? And it was to add green beans and add mac and cheese. In a, a space that, um, honestly, the plumbing inspector called a, a glorified food truck. Uh, <laughs>
0: glorified food truck.
1: <laughs> that's exactly what he said when he came in. He's like, "This is like a glorified food truck." Uh, but that said, we uh, so Jason did his part, and uh, we started working on some things. And uh, next thing you know, we're selling mac and cheese and green beans. And those yeah. items have been uh, been really popular. Um,
0: four is two. So you've got the big 3, the slaw, potato mm-hmm. salad and baked beans and then and then the mm-hmm. green beans and mac. So. That's well, cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you've got to have a little healthiness with your unhealthiness, I think.
0: Yes, you've got to you got to mix <laughs> the 2 uh-huh. No salads
1: though. Not doing salads yet. No,
0: no, no. Not at, unless <laughs> it's potato salad. That's uh, exactly. Yep. yep. Very good. The plates we come do. with uh two or
1: three sides. We do two sides. Two sides uh, you the the plate yep on the plate we uh will give you a uh uh it's really a third of a pound of meat it's the same as a large sandwich which they used to not do and that's another thing that we've added but it's like a large sandwich kind of these de- deconstructed so you can do what you want to do you can eat the bread and eat the bread uh and then you'll get two sides um you know and then up, out of that grows things like a double meat plate or you know we, we've just gone down the road <laughs> Yeah, Anything somebody asked for, we're like, I'm like, yeah, let me see what I can charge for that. There you the next go. Next thing you know, it's on the menu. Uh huh. Exactly
0: if we don't, right. if we don't have it, we'll see if we can't come up with it. There's and that's that's it. I mean, that's that's what I do. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. That's that's a good yeah. way to. Um, spice up the day shall we say mm-hmm. <laughs> yes indeed now um yeah. another uh another christmas may have come and gone but easter is right around the corner and it's a golden opportunity to feast on a flavorful ham from Marion and pitt barbecue and um we briefly touched on those earlier but why don't you describe what makes this famous ham such a huge holiday hit carl
1: uh i think <laughs> I think there are three things that we do really well, and one is we don't settle on a poor quality ham. Uh, and what we've decided on is to use the Nozark pride, uh, semi-boneless or uh, um, you know, even like a full-bone ham, uh, based on availability. And so we think the quality of ham that we start with. Is second to none. It, it might cost us a little more on our end, but it, it's second to none. The next thing we do is we prepare it a couple ways. And, again, this is part of my brother's detail. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, we, do, we do two types. We either smoke it, um, which is just like it sounds. It's as simple as us throwing it on the pit and putting a lot of fire to it, a sure. wood. Uh, The next thing we do is we do a barbecue ham, <clears throat> which is something we just kind of came up with on our own. Uh, and so again, we take uh, a, a butter barbecue sauce. We it has a pepper crust. My um, brother injects it. Uh, sometimes he'll spend as many as three or four hours a day injecting hams during the holidays. Oh, I believe uh, it. And then uh, next thing you know, we we uh, roll it in sauce, and throw it on the pit, and uh, let it cook the same amount as we do the smoke. <clears throat> and there then the know. next thing we do, and it may sound corny. But when I hit on customer service earlier, um, right. we do, we offer it so many ways, so many ways that even our meat people tell us we're crazy. But <laughs> we we are willing, even though we might be sending out, you know, 50 hams in a day, if you want it sliced and heated, we're going to cook it that morning, pull it off the pit, slice it for you. And it's going to be that fresh. If you now want that's it, service. If you want it, cold say you're going to serve the next day uh it's no big deal we'll pull it off the pit wrap it put in the fridge we'll bring it out to you Uh, if you want to heat it whole we'll do all that Um, and that's the kind of stuff we like to do Um, and like i said we we do it almost to our detriment but um we also get a thrill whenever people are excited and they come back and give us the feedback about how good their ham was how happy they were they they could tell fresh it just got pulled
0: off the pit a lot of labor but it's the labor of love and when you when you Mm -hmm. get those when you get those compliments that that always makes it worth it exactly right Mm -hmm. (laughs) so when uh Mm -hmm. when are you going to start taking those hams ham orders for easter have you determined that
1: (laughs) uh we're probably going to start um Let's see, probably about four weeks before Easter.
0: Make your plans now to get your Easter ham from nine That's out of the exactly 10. right. Uh-huh. Get barbecue. Well, uh, let's see. We've, we've sure enjoyed talking to you today, Carl. I uh, thank you. Well, I've enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. I <laughs> think you've made us all hungry. Now, before we, uh, before we let you go, in 30 seconds or less, why don't you give us your best sales pitch for Marion Pitt Barbecue as an absolute must for barbecue connoisseurs?
1: I can say this, we here at Marion pit barbecue uh, are working on a 50 year legacy that this small town and this region uh, and even the South has recognized as some of the best barbecue in the country. Uh, and we do not stop until we know we've done everything we can to make it the best we can for you and your family.
0: There you go. <laughs> you you need not say more, at least not for me. So go on down there and find out what they're all about. And uh why don't you give us the hours of Mary and Pitt
1: Barbecue? Sure, 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 sure. Uh we are Monday through Saturday, uh 10 to 8 o'clock, or until we sell out. Uh gotcha. we uh, do chickens and ribs uh a couple of days a week. Ribs are Saturday through uh and uh, Wednesday, the chickens are Thursday and Sunday. Uh, we, on Sundays, are open from 10.30 to 6. or also till sold out. And don't forget, you can always call ahead and reserve any specialty items or any large orders. Uh, you know, we're not afraid to go the extra mile to hold whatever food you need or uh, even bring it to you if we need to.
0: Sweet. Let me say, I remember part of that phone number, 270-965-7060. Oh, 70, 60. Okay. 965 965
1: 7060. Okay. 965-7060. 7060. Yes, sir. Awesome. And um, how about that address? All right. We are 728 South Main Street uh, in Marion, Kentucky. Uh, if you were on the Main Street, you might go through a stoplight or two. But you can't miss us coming in, uh, into town uh, from the Edible side or from the uh, Surges side.
0: There you go, regardless of where you're coming. Uh, Sue, descri- right. Sue described it as the road going to Princeton. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. That's funny.
0: However That's you funny. think of it, <laughs> they're right. not hard to find. Right. <laughs> so, anyway, well, uh, Carl, thanks a lot. And um, we'll be down there to sample some of your barbecue sooner than later.
1: All right. Well, thank you, Sam. And uh, thanks for having Mary put barbecue on.
0: The man, the myth, the legend himself, Carl Hatfield. We sure appreciate his time today. Now keep your eye open for that website, but in the meantime, remember this phone number. Put it on your speed dial, 270-965-7060, 270-965-7060. It'll be well worth your effort to keep that in mind for any kind of ordering purposes, whether you're after a plate or a pork shoulder, bottle of sauce, hot or mild sauce, I might add. They'll ship anywhere and everywhere, so remember that. I'll have the phone number and address in my show notes for your reference, and also remember that they have their St. Louis-style ribs on Wednesdays and Saturdays, they're craveable chickens on Thursdays and Sundays, and pulled pork each and every time the doors are open. So swing on by there. Discover what makes Marion Pitt Barbecue so special, and why it has been a splendid staple in Crittenden County for half-century or thereabouts. Well, not under the current owners, of course, but a grand total of 50 years altogether, so uh, there has to be a good reason for that, as we've just heard. So, we need something to wash that barbecue down with, don't we, guys and gals? And Corky Taylor has just what the doctor ordered. Now I always pull for my fellow Hendersonians, and Corky Taylor spent much of his childhood here in Henderson, went to high school here, graduated college, came back to Henderson for a while. He now resides in Louisville, where he owns the fairly newly revamped Kentucky Peerless Distillery. Now, this dates all the way back to his great-grandfather, back in the late 1800s, and it went quiet for a while, but it is alive and well now in the Derby City. So, let's join Corky Taylor at his table, sip some fine bourbon, and find out what it is that makes this family treasure truly unique and one-of-a-kind. It's yet another Blabbit in the Bluegrass tourist Temptation. In today's Tourist Temptation, we are featuring our very first distillery here on Blabbing in the Bluegrass. We've not had one before, but uh, this is quite a pleasure for me because this place has uh, quite an extensive history. In fact, it started in my hometown of Henderson, Kentucky, and it has recently been revived. And we will hear all about that story from the uh, proud uh, president and owner himself. Let's hear it for Corky Taylor. Corky, Thank you. Thank you. we are sure stoked to have you, the uh, owner of Kentucky Peerless Distillery. And um, let's see, you've uh, you've been the uh, president and owner now for, uh, what is it, about five years?
2: About eight years, Sam. We started about eight because we had to reconstruct the building. My, my son Carson was a builder, so he came into this building. And it took him about two years to, to, to lay it out and design it, to make it a distillery because uh, we wanted to make people feel like they were going back in time 100 years, because that's that's what we're doing, Sam. We're going back in time 100 years.
0: That's right. We're, <laughs> we're all about uh, showing an appreciation and a, a value of history here. Now, um, although the history of Kentucky Peerless can be traced all the way back to your great-grandfather in the late 1800s, you personally – were uh, not in the bourbon business till uh, less than a decade ago. So talk a little bit, if you would, about your background and tell us what inspired you to revive the Kentucky Peerless tradition.
2: Well, of course, Sam, I grew up in Henderson and, and that's where Peerless started. Uh, I got out of college, went to Murray State, got out of college, worked for my father when it used to be Taylor Dimple, Wolf Ford. Then I had my own steakhouse and deli downtown, Taylor's Junction.
0: Oh, yeah. <clears throat> my parents have great memories of that.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, I did that and was in the restaurant. But then I got myself in the financial services business. I was with a company called Jeffries and Company. And I traveled pretty extensively out of Atlanta. Then I got this idea that I was going to start my own company and, and started a company called BenCore. Had that for about 20 years. I moved the whole company from Louisville, Kentucky down to Sarasota, Florida. Uh, Had that, sold it to a group out of New York. So my background, I guess, if you would say for about 25, 30 years was in the financial services business. Then I I sold the company, walked on the beach in Sarasota, Florida for about a year and a half. Most (laughs) depressed I've ever been in my life. I thought, my God, I got to go back to work. So I knew we had a lot of we have a lot of history uh, with my great grandfather and Henderson, but we lived in Louisville. So I wanted, I I could see the the distilling business or the bourbon business getting better all the time. And I thought, well, if I get in downtown Louisville, we'd get a lot of people going through on tours and we'd be able to build a good business. And thank goodness that's how it all came about. But it all started in 1889 with my great grandfather, Henry Craver, Right. Some of you that are older might remember the Craver Theater, and he started First National Bank, and and um, so he was um, he he had um, the distillery, he had the brewery, um, uh, and then he he had done some other things. He had owned the Palmer House up in Chicago, so he was pretty instrumental in in a lot of different businesses, but all of them out of Henderson, Kentucky.
0: As you just said, the uh, unique and fascinating Kentucky. Peerless story dates uh, all the way back to 1889 in my hometown of uh, Henderson, Kentucky, and you briefly touched on this uh, previously, but uh, if you could expand a little more on the history of a Kentucky Peerless and explain how you're preserving the company's honorable legacy.
2: Well, you know, as we've just spoken, it started in 1889 with Henry Craver. At one time, there were 200 200- distill during his heyday, there were 200 distilleries in the state of Kentucky, and Kentucky Peerless was, when he built it, was probably about the third, fourth, fifth largest during that era, and then during that. Prohibition, he was large enough to get licenses to distribute alcohol. He distributed them pretty much all over the country uh, to do that, and um, so what, what we're doing is it was shut down for 98 years we're bringing it back i was able to get the name peerless distillery but more importantly i was able to get his old federal id number it stands for dsp distilled spirits plant number of course we're in kentucky and we're number 50. so to give you an example on that if you went down to jim bean they're number uh 230. makers is 444 Buffalo Trace, as big as they are, they're 113, Wild Turkey's 139. So to have number 50 is a big deal. It took me two years to get that back. I'm honored to have that. The new license numbers out today are in the 22,000s. So to have number 50, when we get people walk through the door that are from all over the world and they see number 50, they know there's got to be a lot of history with this family and with with Peerless Distillery. So... You know, to, to come back and, and honor my great—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm doing this for my family, but I'm—I'm I'm specifically doing it to honor my great grandfather Henry Craver.
0: Sure. He did a lot
2: of different things—not old distilling. He did the Henderson Brewery. He did a lot of different things. That—that that, um, the first national bank started with my great grandfather. He owned part of the Soper Hotel that's still standing, obviously. Right. And the theaters and. He had tobacco warehouses he did he did a lot of different things in Henderson and as you read the, the, the history in Henderson a lot of times his name name comes
0: up absolutely yes that's that's quite an, an honorable history and that number 50 is definitely uh, quite an honor too it's you know as opposed to a three or four digit number or a, even a five digit number that's
2: exactly so it's um, we we we're honored to have that number, and first time in history the government's ever gone back to give a family uh, their number back. So it was dormant for 98 years, and we got it
0: back. So, since filling your first bourbon barrel on March 4th, 2015, Corky, mm-hmm. uh, describe the most memorable perks of your Kentucky Peerless journey thus far. Or your most notable perks, I should say.
2: Well, we were. We were we've had a lot of luck, but I think you, I think people tell me we earned we've earned the luck. Our rye whiskey that we came out with it was only two years old. It was two and three years old. Our rye whiskey uh, three years ago won the number one rye whiskey in the world two years in a row, which oh, was yeah, a we'll big deal. We'll talk more about
0: that too. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, now that's not a big category, but rye whiskey has gotten to be a better more prominent product, not only in the United States, but the world. But we just won in 2020, we just won the number one bourbon in the state of Kentucky. And it was, it was a four and a half, almost, it was almost a five year old bourbon, but it went up against every bourbon you can think of in the state of Kentucky. There's 200 bourbons. So we won number one, which was really an honor to do that, because we went up against 8, 10, 12-year-old bourbons. And, um, you know, that was a big deal for us. But I think the the most thing that I'm proud of is last year, we won the number one craft distillery in the world.
1: How about that?
2: There's 3,200 craft distilleries in the world. Um, We won won it in the United States. Jame and I, my wife and I, went to New York City, we won the number one craft distillery in the United States, 1,200. Then we qualified for the world, there's 3,200. There's actually more than that, but they they got it to 3,200. It got down to five distilleries, Scotland, Ireland, Finland, Australia, and us, and we won. It's the first time a United States distillery has ever won the number one distillery in the world.
0: Boy, that's, <laughs> that's awesome to be in such a late company. You know, that's... for
2: a short period of time, Um, you know, we're just, we, we work hard. We, you know, we don't get cocky. We try to do better every day and we're, you know, we, we love what we're doing. So that's what we want to do.
0: I'd say you've definitely earned your luck. I had a professor at Western that used to say luck was when preparing this meets opportunity. So (laughs) that's,
2: well, we, we're, we're prepared. We have good, we have really good people. We've got a great facility. We have good equipment and we, we make it different than most distilleries make it, and I think that's what makes us unique.
0: Exactly, and you're creating your opportunities too, so that's something to be proud of. Now, uh, needless to say, there are uh, countless distilleries across the Commonwealth producing one-of-a-kind whiskey for valued customers. We've uh, briefly touched on that too. So, if you would, describe what makes Kentucky Peerless the grand champion of the bourbon business. Well, we,
2: we do, as I mentioned, we make it a little bit different, Sam. We, we're, we're what's called sweet mash. You always hear about sour mash, which means they, they hold the mash from the day before, they blend it to hopefully you know, make it a, a, a product that's gonna be consistent. Our theory is, I guess, because we're a military family, is we clean everything every day and we start all over. New corn, new barley, new rye, you know, everything is fresh every day. We have all stainless steel equipment. So we, we, we clean it with stainless steel tubing. So everything we do is, is clean. We start <clears throat> and then we run it through the still. Most every distillery in the state of Kentucky pulls it off the still at 160 proof that's to get that's there's a number of different reasons you do that
1: right
0: um
2: and we pull it off at 130 so we don't burn up all all of the grains and we keep the flavor profiles in there then we put it in the barrel at 107 proof most Uh all the distilleries put it in the barrel at 125 proof they age it 4 8 10 12 years they pull it out and then they add water to it to put it in the bottle at say 90 proof, 100, 110 proof. So you're adding quite a bit of water that's never been in the barrel. That's yeah. not my theory. We put, we put it in the barrel at a, we pull it off the still at 130. We water it down to 107. Then, then we put it in the barrel. We leave it in the barrel for four, four and a half, five year, right now we're gonna leave some for eight to 10 years that'll have the Henry Craver label. But by doing that, we don't add a drop of water to it after it's been in the barrel. So we have all the flavor profiles. We take it straight from the barrel right to the bottle. So all of our products are what's called barrel proof. You think 107 is a little bit hot, but it's really not. It wants you to taste it. And I think once those things travel around, not only the United States, but around the world, people realize That this flavor profile is like no other. And the reason why everybody's not doing it is too expensive, Sam. It costs way too much money to pull it off the still at 130, put it in a barrel at 107. You're going through a lot more barrels. You know, everything is just so expensive, but that's okay. I wanna put out the best product I can put out. The other thing we don't do is we do not buy product from another distillery, put it in a bottle and say, oh, by the way, this is ours. We don't do that. We we make our own. When it's ready, it's ready. So every barrel that goes out of here or every bottle of whiskey goes out of here, we know exactly what's going in that bottle. We'll pull six barrels off the shelf. We'll blend those six barrels. If one of those barrels is not ready, we put put a, a white X on it. Put it back for three more months or six months. Pull it out again if it's not ready in three to six months. We put a red X on it, then we keep it another year. So every every bottle and every barrel that we open up here <clears throat> is going to be exactly the way we want it. And I think that's the difference. The big guys can't do that. No, they pull 500 barrels off of, off the of wall. They blend them, put them in a bottle, and and it, and it's a good, all all bourbon is a good product. I'm not going to. Say that we just we sure. just go that extra mile and hopefully put out the product we are going to be proud of.
0: There you go. There's is good. Yours is great. So well, that, that's what that's that's what
2: our goal is, and absolutely, and uh, people starting to realize that pretty much all over
0: the world. And it's strictly authentic, nothing diluted. It's all natural, and uh, you're going to be definitely thrilled with what you drink when you sip some. Kentucky Peerless Bourbon. Now, uh, give us a synopsis, Corky, if you would, of the uh, Peerless product portfolio from which bourbon connoisseurs can sip and savor.
2: Well, of course course we have the small batch bourbon and both rye whiskey. When Mm -hmm. we say small batch, that's what we mean. We blend six barrels, three different flavor profiles. We'll blend those six barrels together to put out our small batch bourbon and rye whiskey, but what's I think made us <clears throat> and, and helped build our brand is we we do a lot of single barrel select. You know we we make we pull out what I what we think if we pull out six barrels and there's one that's just outstanding, we, you know we'll put a big X on the top of it and that'll be for a single barrel. So we sell a lot of single barrels uh, product out of our Uh, downstairs out of the retail store and for example I think the best one we've ever made is called smoked chocolate and cherries and it's a rye whiskey and we've had you get about 200 bottles per barrel we've had this uh, since Friday and we're just about sold out of it
0: oh gosh in three days (laughs) yeah and
2: then we have we have liquor stores We have a lot of bourbon societies, to give you an example, the New Orleans Bourbon Society was up here last week. They bought three barrels. The Atlanta Bourbon Society was up here Friday. They bought one rye, one bourbon. Um, Total Wine, um, the big liquor stores, they buy probably 30, 40, 50 barrels from us a year. Liquor barn here in town, Chris at Westport Whiskey. So we sell, and then we've got, um, for example, uh, big bourbon societies. The largest bourbon society in the world is in London. I always thought people in London, all they drank was scotch. Yeah, no kidding. But they have 4,500 members. They'll send 10, 20 people in there to see our place, go through it. They'll buy three, four, five barrels. We ship it back to the UK for them and they sell it out immediately. So
0: that's so uh, cool.
2: yeah, we sold, we sold uh, some barrels down to Houston, Texas. Uh, we sent two barrels down there and that was 400 bottles that sold out in less than 10 hours.
0: How about them apples?
2: <laughs> and that's about the way that, you know, most, most all bourbon societies, that's, that's the way they work. They got three, four, five, six hundred 600 people that are members and you send 200 bottles down It'll go pretty quick. It'll go in less than a week.
0: That, that's that's pretty impressive. Now, uh, now, what you say your favorite was the uh, smoked chocolate cherry? Is that what you call yeah, it? Yeah, it's
2: it's it's the best. Matter of fact, I got a bottle sitting on my desk. It's um, it's the best product. One of the, I mean, I just like that flavor profile. You know, we we have it in our tasting room. We we let you taste two bourbons and two rye. and so gotcha. you get to taste some. Some of the new ryes that we have coming out, the flavor profiles. And if you like it, you know, it's, it's, you know, every barrel is different, believe it or not. They might sit side by side, but because of the, the oak, you know, barrel that we use, it just puts out different flavor profiles.
0: A little less than uh, a year ago, this past February, we touched on this a little bit ago, but uh, Peerless' Small Box Kentucky Straight Bourbon, was named Kentucky's Best Bourbon at the 2020 World Whiskies Awards. Quite an honor there. Now, uh, tell us how exactly you were nominated for this award, and uh, who or what made this prideful honor a reality?
2: Well, what you do is they ask you if you'd like to participate. You have to send them six, eight, 10, 12 bottles, uh a small batch bourbon we sent, it wasn't quite five years old, Sam, but it was pretty close. So you send it to them, and then they have about six to eight to 12 in their, in their uh, blind tasting test. So they'll get about eight or ten people at a round table. They'll taste all these bourbons, and they'll come out with the one they think has the best flavor profile or what they think is the best bourbon Um And so that's what we did. I think we sent, I don't know how many, we might've sent more than that, but I know we sent 12 bottles to them. So they get to taste it. It's a blind taste. They don't know that it's peerless. They don't know, you know, it might be somebody else, but it's a blind taste test. They all vote who has the best bourbon. And and that's how we've won basically every one through a blind taste. We won a blind taste test with our rye whiskey number one in the world going against rye whiskeys that were 10, 12 years old. So it gets down to what what the judges, and and they understand the product very well. Not our product, but they understand drinking whiskey, and they know what they're looking for. So, you know, it's an honor to win any of those knowing it was a blind taste test, and you really do have the best product, not who has the best reputation.
0: Right. It's all about the product and, uh, you know, on all these award shows, people get up and they make their speeches and they thank everybody under the sun. (laughs) Who or what do you attribute this, uh, and other awards that you've won to?
2: Well, I, I attribute to my employees, you know, uh, Caleb Kilburn is my master distiller, a young man that was, that understands it very well. We have a great crew. They've been with us since we started. So we're very select in our grains, uh, our water, you know, our yeast. We have our same yeast that we're gonna use from now on. So it's, um, everything we have is fresh and we watch it like a hawk. We've been told, I don't know if we are today, but I know when we started, we're the most computerized distillery in the world. Mm. We know exactly every second, so we can go back five years we haven't been in business ten years to know that batch. So we serial number every batch. So if something isn't right with that batch, we can look back and say, okay, where did that grain? Where did this come from? So we're pretty mechanical in what we do. Although we watch it, we taste it every every thirty minutes. We walk and take walk after and take um, new make off the still to make sure that's the flavor profile we want going through the still. So. To say why we are, we, we've done what we did is because of our employees. We have great, we're like a big family here.
0: That's it. Quality ingredients and quality employees. That's the you name bet. of the game. That's with, exactly right. <laughs> with Kentucky <laughs> Peerless. Now, uh, by taking a tour of the award winning Peerless Distillery, visitors can uh, tremendously enhance their knowledge of the process by which uh, bourbon eventually finds its way to the bottle. So we uh, talked a little bit about the tasting a minute ago, but um, give us a little more of a summary of uh, what we can expect to experience and learn as part of a guided tour.
2: Well, this is, we call this grain to bottle. And this, everything you'd possibly want to know about making a bottle of bourbon or rye whiskey, you'll learn in this, you'll learn in this distillery. This isn't Disney World. We manufacture, we do everything here. We, 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 we blend the, the grain, we put it, we cook it, we mill it, we do everything you could possibly think of. So you, when you come in for a tour, you learn about our history, about my great-grandfather, my grandfather, my father being with General Patton, <clears throat> my business career, Carson's, and then you you learn all that about the history starting in 1889. Then you go in the still room, you get to see the product being made <clears throat> and how we do it. And it's double distilled. And then you walk back and then you see where we cook it. You see the fermentation tanks, how we, how we uh, fer- ferment it for three days and how it's com- completely controlled by computers. Our, our fermentation is held at 81 degrees if it goes one over, the beeper goes off. So everything we do, we cook exactly at 212 degrees. Then you go back and you see our, our bottling room. Then you go back and see where we actually warehouse and how our how our uh, barrels are made. We don't use, we don't have the company use any gas or anything that might, uh, to burn the inside of the barrel to char it, it's done with wood chips. So everything I think we've done, we looked at very, very hard to know this is the way we want it. This is the way we want to barrel. This is the way we want to put them in the rickhouse. Our rickhouse, when you walk into our building, is only one story. It's Mm -hmm. five high, a few places it's six. When you walk into big distilleries, they're four and five high. The the, the liquor is, the barrels are always good on the top shelf because that's where it's hot. Right. The middle, it's pretty good, and on the bottom, it's it's cold and musty. So all of our warehouses are one story. We just built. I bought 19 acres out in Henry County. It's 34 miles from here. Oh yeah. They'll all be they'll all be one story. So we've already got it out there. We have about five or six thousand barrels out there. We have a couple thousand barrels in house. So when you come through. You're going to see everything you could possibly see within an hour, hour and 15 minutes of making a bottle of bourbon.
0: Absolutely. And I guess the, uh, the tasting is at the end, correct? The tasting's
2: at the end, correct. And you get to taste two bourbons, the one, the one small batch and a single barrel, whatever flavor profile we have that month. And then you get to taste one rye whiskey, small batch and one single barrel as well.
0: Awesome. So you get the, the full experience there. And uh, how many how many tour guides do you have on staff there, Corky?
2: We have uh, probably seven or eight. You know, because they work Saturday. You know, we some of them will work three or four days a week. Some of them, you know, work five days a week. Um, but we've got, I'd say, we have eight tour
0: tour guides. <clears throat> yeah, and yeah, you you give some of those personally too, don't you?
2: Oh, I do. Yeah, I'm in here every Saturday. So like Saturday, I did the family history, you know, because of COVID, you know, on Saturdays, we used to do 25 to 30, 32 people. Now we can only have 10 people on a tour. But actually, I think it's a better tour. People enjoy it more. They can hear everything. They can ask questions. So I, I love giving the family history and, and telling them all about, you know, how all this started and why we did it and you know, so it's, I, I think they enjoy it when I do it. I don't know. I'm, oh, and I do, I, no doubt they do. <laughs> I do a lot through the week. We get a lot of people that travel here from, you know, all over the country, New York to California. We get, our, our biggest state is Wisconsin. I kid them all the time. I said, y'all drink all the time, Wisconsin. <laughs> they said, well, it's cold. I said, well, I know it's cold, but thank goodness you drink
0: fearless. So yeah, exactly. that's our number one state. Yeah, you get the, the cheese heads, as they call themselves, from that's, from Wisconsin. That's, that's exactly right. <laughs> Coming down so, there and uh, savoring the product. Now, what days and times can people come in and take a tour?
2: We give tours. Our first tour is at 10.30, Monday through Saturday. Uh, next one is twelve thirty, two thirty, 2.30, um, and then uh, uh in the summertime, we're open till seven o'clock, so we extended. But we do tastings three times in between the tours. We do tastings, so they oh, can gotcha. call in or they can get a. Most people now are getting online. They see when the tours are open. Once we get to ten, we have to we have to cut it off. You know, maybe later we might get to twelve. But I, I, I've actually learned a lot by COVID. Uh, of course, we were shut down for three and a half months, just like everybody else was. Sure. Um, but now we're back, so I think we're learning a lot. We're giving better tours because there's fewer people on there and they appreciate it, so it's worked out. But we've always made product and uh, sent it all over the country. I think we're, we're real, real strong in liquor stores, and then we're, we're good in some high-end steakhouses, bars. You know, it's just difficult to get around the country. You have to have a lot of people to go into all these bars and build a brand, that's that's difficult to do. So I, I focus more on on uh, liquor stores. You know, like Bev Mo out in California speaks in Texas, ABC in Florida, Total Wine all over the country, uh, Wegmans up in the East Coast. So that's who we focus on. Uh, Benny's in Chicago has fifty one stores. Uh, oh yeah, we Yeah. Big Red up in Indiana has fifty some odd stores. So we focus on that and they're good to us and and we 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 move some product. We're never gonna be big, Sam. We're not gonna be a huge distillery because it's the way we make it. We're not ever gonna commercialize it where we just slosh it through and get it out the door. We want us we want good quality products that we're proud of and we love to have people to come see us to take a tour and understand what we're trying to accomplish.
0: You've been a great guest. I've sure enjoyed learning about Peerless and well, whiskey in general. So uh, before I let you go, Corky, in 30 seconds or less, give us your best sales pitch for Kentucky Peerless Distillery as a splendid travel destination and bourbon sensation.
2: Well, Sam, it's a true experience. I mean, you get to come through the front door you know you are someplace because you're looking right at the still, and we've got so much history with being, you know, with starting in 1889. Our family, our family history—it's very inviting. Our family history is like no other. I mean, with my dad being with General Patton um, and the history that we have, my great grandfather owning the distillery, the brewery the Palmer House in Chicago, because you can't believe how many people have been to Chicago. And to go through a distillery that actually makes everything under one roof and and warehouses it is 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 pretty impelling, you know, situation where they get to touch it, they get to feel it, they get to see it, they get to smell it. So it's it's really it's it's everything you'd want to see in a distillery. With so much history with DSP KY50, and the name itself is is it, it's a good story and it's a it's a true story. So that's what's that's what's important. Absolutely. Was it really here? Does it have the history? Do we make good product? And we've proven that we make the make good. It's one of the best products in the world. So to have that all under one roof. People need to just come in and see it and see what we're all about. And I'd appreciate the opportunity to show it to them.
0: Absolutely. You got to see it and taste it to fully experience it. So, uh, com is the website. And uh, that's correct. You can also find them at KY Peerless on Twitter and uh, Kentucky Peerless on Instagram too, right?
2: That's correct. And you can also call to make a reservation, you can get on KentuckyPeerless.com, but you can call 502-566-4999. And that's a number that they can call to, 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 you know, to set up a tour or to ask any questions. And here pretty soon, we'll be able to ship all over the United States and basically in the state of Kentucky as well, our products directly to your home. So that's coming. (laughs) <laughs> it, it'll probably be here in the next two to three months. It's already been approved by the state of Kentucky. So we're, uh, now we're just getting that set up, you know, with, with uh, the UPSs of the world.
0: So keep your ears peeled for updates. That's coming shortly. And um, let's give them that address where they can find you there in Louisville, shall we? Yeah, yeah. I'm
2: sorry. It's, one, it's 120 North 10th Street. So it's right off Main Street. Street. For those of you who know where the Hildridge and Bradsby, the baseball bat factory is with the tall baseball, we're one block past that. You take a right on 10th, and we're right down there on the left. So we call, it, we call it Main and 10th, but we're actually about a half a block off. Uh, it's got 120. You. So you come down Main Street, you head towards the river, and we're right down there on the left.
0: Well, that's easy. We enough. have plenty
2: of plenty of parking across the street, and um, you know it's uh, we're easy to find. Easy to, you get as you're coming from Henderson, you get right off on the Ninth Street exit. You take two rights, and we're and you're right here.
0: Well, <laughs> I'd say that's easy enough, and uh, one block yeah. from the Bat Factory, that's a good landmark. So. <laughs> yes,
2: and, and you can see it. You can see it from the highway when you're coming in from. You can look over to the right, and you can see our building.
0: Sure. Absolutely. Well, uh, Corky, thanks so much for coming on with us today. Let me know next time you get to Henderson and we'll have to get together and maybe sip some bourbon.
2: Hey, I appreciate it, Sam. It's <laughs> been an honor to be on your show. Thank you very much. And for those out there that have never been to Peerless, please, please come see us.
0: I second that totally. Well, <laughs> thank you a lot. And uh, we look forward to talking with you again, Corky. Thank you very much, Sam. I mean, look at all the awards they've already won and their Not even six years of existence, cause shit. You know, they've won best bourbon in Kentucky, best rye whiskey in the world, best craft distillery in the world. They've got some pretty impressive feathers in their cap, and they're just barely getting started. So you gotta go meet Corky and his crew, tour the facility, taste their product, discover why their all-natural, time-tested recipe, really and truly, makes a difference. And you can shop online, find out anything else you ever wanted to know about Kentucky Peerless, except, of course, the things you'd learn in a tour. Anything besides that, you can find it online at KentuckyPeerless.com, as well as through their social media outlets, which we discussed a few minutes ago. I will link you to the website in my show notes. Boy, Corky was a blast, to say the least, as was his preceding guest, Carl Hatfield from Marion Pitt Barbecue. We thoroughly enjoyed him. And we strongly encourage you folks to support each of these guests and their respective businesses. You'll be glad you did. They'll be glad you did. And make sure you tell them that you heard about them on Blabbin' in the Bluegrass. And uh, express your appreciation to them for lending us their time and expertise to uh, help us to make the show what we strive to make it on a weekly basis so great show this week not that I'm biased or anything but uh, before we wrap it up we do have the long-awaited answer to this week's bluegrass brain buster I coach a little slack this week easier than your average brain buster because it's a true false question you had a 50-50 shot at it but it fit the theme of Corky Taylor and Kentucky Peerless so I had to do it Let's recap, shall we? Your question this week was, true or false, the people in the Commonwealth of Kentucky are outnumbered by the bourbon barrels in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Your answer? Yep, that's a fact, Jack. It is true. According to the Kentucky Distillers Association, there are approximately two bourbon barrels for every resident in the state of Kentucky. Now, I think that's a two-for-one that we can all appreciate. And I think that's a nice note to end the program on. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, send me that feedback. Bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com. Good, bad, or indifferent, I love hearing from you. B-L-U-E-G-R-A-S-S-B-L-A-B-B-I-N at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook. It's Blabbing in the Bluegrass there. You can catch up on previous episodes, follow updates as they are shared. Also, comment, leave messages. I love hearing from you that way also. So next week, mark it down. Same bad time, same back channel. We'll be here with more talk and more fun. And between now and then, keep laughing, keep smiling, and keep blabbing in the bluegrass. Because we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste.